thank you, kids and teenagers. I, I probably need to make sure we separate the teenagers from the kids. Uh, we don't want to insult anybody. Uh, anyway, man, that's a blessing. And yes, we do say hi to all those unable to be here with us today. And we pray God's blessing upon you as we continue to look at God's Word. And so we're going to turn to to 2 Kings chapter 1, 2 Kings chapter 1. All right. So in 2 Kings chapter 1, as I alluded to earlier, when we were looking at uh, Ephesians 6, starting at verse 10, we need to be vigilant. Andy and I decided uh, last week we were at a, or had to officiate, officiate, whew, officiate a, a wedding up close to Brownlee, and then the reception was up in Valentine. And we thought, since there's a little time in between, you know, we've gone up to Valentine several times and thought we're going to go to Smith Falls, and then we just never do it. So after the wedding, I was talking to. Uh, to someone about going up to Smith Falls, and they said, yeah, we've lived up here uh, so many years, and it was until five years ago that we visited Smith Falls and then went over to Snake Falls there by Merritt on the Snake River, and I suppose there are some snakes, unless he had just given us a hard time, so I thought, well, maybe we should go to Snake Falls, but then when he said there's snakes at Snake Falls, I looked at Dandy, she was in high heels, and a dress. And I thought, boy, that's a lot of bare ankle for a snake, a rattlesnake. So maybe we better just go to Smith Falls. I don't, you know, this time of year, we did go to Smith Falls, and it was closed. Anyway, this time of year, yeah, we have yet to see Smith Falls. All right. Anyway, this time of year, you know, walking through the pastures, it's really dry, and and. I really don't want to have to be vigilant all the time for snakes. And as you walk through the pastures this time of year, I wonder how many times I'm going to say that this time of year. But anyway, uh, the common cocklebur, right, kind of, when you wiggle them, they, they rattle a little bit. And I've, I've walked by it, brushed those with my leg, and they'd rattle, and I've junk, jumped clean out of my skin. I don't really like that this time of year when I'm walking down through the, the grass and you rattle one of those. It's scary. I don't like to be vigilant for snakes. It's no fun, right? But, you know, we are called to be on the alert and to stay vigilant First Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says, Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The King James Version says, Be, di- be vigilant, right? Be on the alert. Watch out. And so I want to challenge you today, as we look at this passage one application that we can make, specific application, is that, that we would be vigilant knowing that we're under direct attack. And so the believer must be vigilant for direct attacks. And these direct attacks are, are usually deceptive. And so they don't look like they're direct attacks. 
What does Satan want? He wants to usurp God's authority through the arrogance of his pride. He committed mutiny against God and since then wants all people to do the same. And he wants them to be blinded in a variety of ways, including through their own pride. Therefore, there are several lessons in this passage in 2 Kings chapter 1 that, that we need to focus on, that we need to set our attention on, because there's some specific and very destructive tools of the enemy that we can find in this passage. And we need to know these because they are dangerous. And so we're going to look at two dangers today. The first is the danger of mutiny. The danger of mutiny. And before we, we start reading here, let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truths, the doctrine, but also for the lessons of the historical lessons, things that took place, people who failed, people who succeeded. And Lord, we thank you for um, the reality that you are so gracious and merciful, not only in the past, but today. And we thank you, Lord, that you will never leave us or forsake us. And as your word says in 1 John 4, 4, uh, you are of God, little children. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. So we thank you for the truth that you are with us and we don't have to fear. But help us to be vigilant. But we ask, Lord, as we look at this passage that you would help us to set our mind on uh, our own weaknesses and areas that, that we are susceptible to attack, that we would be awake and aware and that we would cling ever more closely to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So in 2 Kings chapter 1, it says, Now Moab rebelled against Israel after the death of Ahab, and, and Moab had been under uh, both... Judah and Israel's um, authority since David had conquered them 49 years or so before. And here they, they are uh, done. They have enough power. Ahab has fallen away from the Lord enough that they're weak enough that Moab can get out from underneath their thumb. Verse 2, And Ahaziah fell through the lattice in his upper chamber, which was in Samaria, and became ill. So he sent messengers and said to, to them, Go inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, whether I shall recover from this sickness. But the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite, Arise, go up to meet the messengers of the king of Samaria, and say to them, Is it because there is no god in Israel that you are going to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron? Now therefore, this says the Lord, you shall not come down from the bed where you have gone up, but you shall surely die. Then Elijah departed. When the messengers returned to him, he said to them, why have you returned? They said to him, a man came up to meet us and said to us, go return to the king who sent you and say to him, thus says the Lord, is it because there is no God in Israel that you are sending to inquire Beelzebub, the, the God of Ekron? Therefore, you shall not come down from the bed 
where you have gone up, but shall surely die. And so we see here the king, like Satan, so long ago commits mutiny against the Lord God. Mutiny is an open rebellion against the proper authorities, much like Moab had committed mutiny or shook off the oppression of Samaria, Israel. So here we find Ahaziah going the same way as his parents Ahab and Jezebel and, and finding authority and information and maybe power from someone else, somewhere else. But mutiny is an open rebellion, as he did, against the proper authorities, especially by soldiers or sailors against their officers. And so we look here in this passage, in verse 1 and 2, we see this rebellion of Moab, and we also see this rebellion of Ahaziah. You know, rebellion leaves a vacuum. We have to be very careful. Rebellion leaves a vacuum. Just like Jezebel and Ahab, Ahaziah turns away from the Lord here towards something. And we find in this passage in verse 2 that, that he fell off the balcony and we don't really know what exactly happened, what he broke, what he hurt, but we know it was really, really bad. And the point here is he turns at this point to the false god of Ekron. Ekron is a major town and worship center of the Philistines. And so he rebels. That is, he turns away from God. And when you turn away from something, you're always turning in another direction, right? Hopefully we're always turning away from things towards the cross, right? Turning away from our own pride towards the cross. Turning away from our, our own sinful desires or even our works of righteousness remembering that it is the Lord Jesus Christ. But if you're turning away from something, you're going another direction. And a challenge for us today is to see that, that there's, there's always this hole, but you're always turning towards something. And this something can be insignificant disobedience. By that I mean, oh, it's just a, a small matter. There's no big consequences to this decision. It could be towards immoralities that have harsher consequences. It could be towards severe and destructive sins. Rebellion here in this passage, I believe, and I agree with those who, who are talking about it in their commentaries, is turning away from God basically towards occult, the occult. And, and the reason we say that, here we have Baalzebub, the, the chief god of the Philistines, at a chief center, chief worship town of a false god. But Baalzebub means god of the fly or chief god. And it came to be known god of the flies. In Mark 3.22, Beelzebul is 
is a word that they use towards Jesus as a severe insult. And even saying, hey, you're not of God, you're of a demonic or the occult force. In Mark 3.22 it says, the scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, he is possessed by Beelzebul, and he casts out the demons by the ruler of the demons, okay? And that's why we go back to this passage, and I know we're taking the New Testament, but they have that idea from looking here in this passage to see he's really addressing a false god who is backed by a demonic force. And really, that's what takes place all the time. And and idols and false gods are nothing, but, but there's a great danger of the demonic behind false worship of anything, whether it's a little idol or something else. A sexual sin? Definitely, I would say there's demonic forces behind that. But even if it's this little idol and it's nothing, 1 Corinthians 10, 19, and 20, Paul talks about um, there is demonic forces behind that false worship in 1 Corinthians 10, 19, and 20. We're not going to take the time to go there this morning, but we have to be cautious We need to understand that there is a spiritual battle, and that's why we need to understand we have to be vigilant. But anyway, coming back to this passage, we find that there's a vacuum, and he filled this vacuum. He wants to know. He's not asking for healing even. He just wants to know, well, what's going to happen? Maybe he wanted more, but he didn't form it in that question in this text. He just wants to know. And so he doesn't go to the true God, he goes to a false God, he goes to the occult. And it should be very, very relevant to us that anything, playing around with anything that seems to be occult or demonic is a grave, grave danger. Whether we've done it since the 50s or longer. Whether it's a new trend, it is very, very dangerous. And so, if you rebel against the Lord and you decide to put something else first, it may not be the occult, it could be anything that fills that vacuum. Let us be cautious and careful. Rebellion marches towards judgment as well. Not only, uh, not only does rebellion turn you away from the Lord, but it's turning you towards judgment. 2 Kings 1, 4, we find, oh, here's your judgment. You shall surely die in the bed in which you have had to go and lay on. Verse 10, <clears throat> we find judgment. There's more warning. Verse 12, there's judgment. Verse 16, we'll get into these here in a little bit. But we've read down to verse 6. Let me read on to verse 8. He said to them, what kind of man was he who came up to meet you and spoke these words to you? They answered him, he was a hairy man with a leather girdle bound around about his loins. And he said, it is Elijah the Tishbite. I bet that was fun to hear, right? Maybe if it was some other prophet, some other person, it wouldn't be so scary. But here, we, he hears this judgment that he will surely die, and it happens, it is God's servant Elijah who was sent to give this judgment. 
And really, this is, a great, this is gracious upon the Lord God's part, right? That he graciously sends Elijah to warn Ahaziah in verse 3 and 4. And I, I think it's important for us to see in these verses that God moves swiftly. <laughs> he moves swiftly to send his messenger. I think it's very important for us to understand we have the word of God and we should swiftly follow it and heed its warnings. But he sends his messenger, Elijah. What did Elijah do? Say, no, I can't do that. You know, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we find that we are ambassadors for Christ Jesus. Ambassadors of the gospel. Ambassadors preaching the message of reconciliation. Who has God sent to the masses who need reconciled? His ambassadors. Are you willing to obey? Elijah had done it over and over and over again. He could have said, ah, I'm sick of this, Lord. I'm tired of it. They've heard it. I'm there sometimes. I'm like, oh, they know. I don't, I don't, I don't need to bother myself about trying to share the gospel with someone. They, they know. That's the wrong way to think. But he obeyed. And once again, he, he goes and warns a wandering, rebellious king. He had not been seen for four years since he confronted Ahab at Naboth's vineyard. I think it's interesting, a side note, <laughs> probably distract us from the message here. What did Elijah look like? And then I think about John the Baptist. What did he look like? We have a description here in this passage. Both warning people to repent. But since Ahaziah sought help from the chief god of of the occult, he was going to die. And yet, what is his response here? Uh, There's no repentance. But because Ahaziah rejected God as Lord, he will die in his sin. You know, lest we get fooled by apathy, we need to remember disobedience is mutiny. A lot of times we like to reason away, oh, it's not that bad. Be careful. You know, why is our nation struggling? Why does the world continue to struggle? All of humanity continues to struggle. Well, it's been since the fall. Since the fall, every last human being has this inclination to sin and even to rebel against God. And so we must pray for our nation. We must pray for our communities. We have to pray for our families. We have to be people of prayer. Remember 1 Peter 5.8. He prowls around like a roaring lion. Any of you you have house cats when they're younger, when they're playful, right? You, You walk down the dark hall. Of course, you may not be like me with a small bladder at night. But you walk down the dark hall and all of a sudden something grabs your calf, you know. You're an unsuspecting prey, right? They like to get you when you're not paying attention. 
Felines are that way, I think, right? They like to pounce. And, and so this comparison, we, we know he's there, he's a roaring lion, but where exactly? In the bushes, is he? So we have to be very vigilant for these direct attacks. But the problem is, these direct attacks don't look like direct attacks. Because Satan is deceptive. So be vigilant. The second lesson for us today, I love this passage. We're going to get into it now, all right? This is a powerful passage. These chapter 1 and chapter 2 of 2 Kings, I mean, all of Elijah's life, there's a lot of powerful things taking place. But the second lesson, I believe, is the danger of pride. Because we go back to the king and we start at verse 7 and 8. Let me read on verse 9. Remember 7 and 8. Okay. He knows who it is in verse 8. He says, it is Elijah the Tishbite. In verse 9, then the king sent to him a captain of 50 with his 50. And he went up to him and behold, he was sitting on top of the hill. And he said to him, O man of God, the king says, come down. Elijah replied to the captain of 50, if I am a man of God. Now, I don't know how he said this, right? When I read this passage, for some reason, I just get an, I just envision Elijah up there, you know, on the mountainside where, you know, he has good view all around, and he can see this, this captain with his 50 men, so 51 men, military men coming, and as they draw near, you know, I'd be, if, if it was me, I'd be a little nervous, I'd be, I would be headed out. But anyway, they come up to Elijah, and, and Back here in this passage, it says, you know, oh man of God, the king says, come down. So there's this command from this military captain of 50 men. And Elijah replies, and I, I have this vision. If I'm a man of God, I, I think he's just sitting there. You know, yeah, okay, whatever. If I'm a man of God, let fire come down from heaven. It says here, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50. Then fire came down from heaven and consumed him and his 50. Now let's evaluate this for just a minute. First we have the king, right? And he hears the, the judgment. But there's no, at this point, there's no repentance. He does send his men to fetch Elijah, but I don't think it's for good intentions. It definitely doesn't look that way. Why would we send 50 military men? And this captain, he's obeying the king, right? But he surely was a man who had seen what had happened on Mount Carmel or heard about it. Had lived through the three and a half years of the drought caused by, they knew, by Elijah. And he comes up to him with his 50 minutes. He says, come down. The king says, come down. Why didn't he recognize Elijah's authority from the Lord instead of the king's authority? But we have pride of the king. And maybe not so much pride of this captain, but, but verse 11. So he again sent to him another captain of 50 with his 50, and he said to him, now this captain, look what he says. O man of God, thus says the king, 
come down quickly. I don't know about you, but if it was me and I knew that the last 51 guys had been burnt up, I would have said, um, would you happen to be willing to come with me instead of saying, come down quickly? A lot of pride in that. And pride does not recognize the proper authority. It doesn't. The king did not repent. The first captain didn't recognize the authority of Elijah. And this captain comes up and, and it doesn't recognize the proper authority and pride underestimates the danger. He didn't figure out that this was very, very dangerous unless he's a really, really, really brave man. But he boldly goes up and he says, come down quickly. Again, I think as this captain comes up, uh, Elijah, this time I, I, am, I picture Elijah sitting there maybe clean, cleaning out his fingernails with his knife, you know, you know, as they're coming up, he says. And so he says, as this man says, come down quickly, Elijah replied, you know, if I'm a man of God, let fire come down out of heaven and consume you and your 50. Then the fire of God came down from heaven and consumed him and his 50. There was no respect in this man's voice, in his command. There was no concern. And here, he and his men are destroyed. And so pride does not comply. Pride does not willingly repent. Pride does not bend the knee. And the reason I say bend the knee is because look at this last captain. Okay? So he again sent the captain of a third 50. So the king's pride. One group sent, two groups sent, the third group sent. Hmm. When the third captain of 50 went up, he came and bowed down on his knees before Elijah and begged him and said to him, O man of God, Please let my life and the lives of these 50 servants of yours be precious in your sight. Behold, fire came down from heaven and consumed the first two captains of 50 and their 50s, but now let my life be precious in your sight. The, the second captain knew what happened. He knew what happened, and he knew the danger. He humbled himself before Elijah. He willingly bent the knee. And he begged Elijah to spare his life and his soldiers' lives. And so it goes on here. The angel of the Lord, probably the pre-incarnate Christ, the Christophany, said to Elijah, go down with him. Do not be afraid of him. So he rose and went down with him to the king. Then he said to him, thus says the Lord, because you have sent messengers to inquire, and this is Elijah to the king, of Baal's above, the God of Ekron, is it because there's no God in Israel to inquire of his word? Therefore you, ha you shall not come down from your bed where you have gone up, but shall surely die. So Ahaziah died according to the word of the Lord, which Elijah had spoken. And because he had no son, Jehoram became king in his place. In the second year of Jehoram, the, the son of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. Now the rest of the acts of Ahaziah which he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of Kings of Israel? What we have here, this man was willing to humble himself, 
Elijah went with him, but the king did not repent. And so we see another prophecy from Elijah from before to King Ahaz, Ahab, sorry, of the loss of his whole family serving as a monarchy in Samaria and Israel. But the Lord did, did send Elijah. And I think a challenge here for us is that like this captain, let us keep our eyes on Jesus. And like Elijah, keep our eyes on him. Do not blindly follow the world or even worldly leaders when we know that God has called us to something else. Many of us don't really have to look hard when we have a rebellious heart, do we? I know I feel the Lord's conviction rather quickly. But maybe that's pride speaking. Maybe There's probably a lot of things I overlook in my life. Pride, on the other hand, will sneak up on you and bite you on the ankle faster than you can say, look how great I am. When that happens, humble yourself before the Lord and confess your sin. You know, a believer must be vigilant for direct attacks, and I think one of the greatest dangers is pride. But a rebellious heart, a lot of rebellion, comes in small little ways. And so there are precautions we can take. First, right? You know these. Been ingrained in you since the youth, most of you. Stay in the Word. Stay in the Word. Hebrews 4.12, For the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Stay in the Word. Second, be a person of prayer. Be a person of prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 22 could probably go with uh, point two here and the following, but pray without ceasing, right? Be a person of prayer. Now, when we did that wedding up there, I, I prayed before the, the meal, the reception, everything got going. I, I thought I'd try to be funny. That usually doesn't work. But before I got up there to pray... Dandy said, remember, no preaching in your prayer. I said, okay. I thought it was actually pray without ceasing. So I thought I'd share that with everyone. Then I tried to get a little money and say, I could, I could talk for a while unless you guys want to eat. But no one, anyway, no one came forward. So I went ahead and prayed. But be a person of prayer. So stay in the word, be a person of prayer. Third, seek to be sensitive to the Spirit. And that happens as you're a person of prayer, as you're a person in the Word. You will be more sensitive to the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit do in our lives? He gives us strength. He gives us gifts to be used for the body of Christ. And He gently leads. So be sensitive to the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Fourth, Have people who aren't afraid to help you. Have people who are 
close to you, who, who aren't afraid to help you look for the weaknesses in your life and be willing to listen to them. This is not something that we can think, oh, this I'm going to be their helper. No, they have to let us in. So be careful. There's a lot of good intention that goes wrong. So you have people in your life you're willing to listen to? So have people in your life that aren't afraid, and they know it. Tell them, hey, will you tell me when you see me going astray? Be vigilant. It is a battle. Our time here on earth is short. Be vigilant. Be men of the word. Be women of the word. Be people of prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your grace. We thank you, Lord, for um, your conviction and your empowering uh, us to be able to do what you've called us to do. Thank you, Lord. I ask that you would bless each one as they go out and help them to see the dangers before them so that they can go around those. Pray, Lord, that they would be very sensitive to your leading and emboldened to follow. We thank you again for this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I would remind you, I believe, that the uh, musical in North Platte with some of our people here is, is starting today at 2. The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, right? Is that correct? <coughs> I think it goes on through this week. And so I just... You might keep that in mind. But keep praying for each other as well. And uh, pray for Shane, especially, and, and Sherry, and Cherie, and Jimmy. So with that, can our young youngsters come forward and take up this morning's offering? Do I have any guys coming?